Hello and welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm K.W. Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. Today we're going to talk about horror novels, the new Batwoman TV series, and The Masked Singer. K.W., you've been reading and watching some Stephen King slash Joe Hill stuff, right? I have, yes. Why don't you tell me about that? Okay. Stephen King, famed horror novelist extraordinaire, his son, Joe Hill, is also a horror novelist. And earlier this year, I read, well, kind of all year, I've been reading some Joe Hill, some Stephen King, and reading stuff that they've collaborated on together. So one of the first books I read this calendar year was In the Tall Grass, which is a book, or it's a novella, basically, that they wrote together. And that was recently adapted into a Netflix film. I haven't seen the film yet, but I understand it's really good. But if you're interested in the the story version of it, it's super creepy and it's really short. And it was originally published in two parts in issues of Esquire magazine a couple years ago. But anyway, the story of In the Tall Grass, basically these siblings are on a road trip and they stop at this empty field near a church And they hear this little boy asking for help. I don't like this. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to describe it too much because I want to talk about the other books too. But but it's it's real short. Anyway, so they they hear this little boy calling for help, and the the girl twin it's it's a fraternal twins boy and boy and girl, and the girl is pregnant, and um, she's feeling very maternal, and she's like, we have to help this child, and so of course they go into the tall grass. And it just kind of goes from there and it gets real messed up and super creepy. And it's, but it's very, very short and it's very, I would say it's pretty graphic and it's pretty upsetting, but that is maybe what has stopped me from starting the movie yet, because sometimes I really like to read horror, but if there's a movie adaptation, I don't always want to see it because it's too creepy to see the stuff. And especially if it's a newer film where, you know, the effects are going to be pretty good. I'm like, I don't know, that might be too real to look at. Whereas when you're reading it, I can kind of like, I'll just sort of gloss over that part or whatever. But um, but seeing it can sometimes be upsetting for me. But um, I think I'll try to watch it and we'll see. I have heard it's really good. And yeah, the the book might upset you too much if that premise is too scary. (laughs) It doesn't get less scary from there. Sometimes with with both King and Hill, I like their premise sometimes even more than the execution. And I love how they... They both have this tendency to latch on to a really high concept or even simple concept idea. And just that little seed of that is like enough to make me want to read the whole book. So anyway, that one was really good. So then after I read In the Tall Grass, I'd really only read one of Joe's novels before I read Nosferatu a couple years ago. I actually read that for school and it was really, really good. It was a little bit long and they recently adapted that into a movie or into a TV show, but I haven't watched that yet. But that is that was really the only one I'd read of his. So I decided to go back to the beginning and look up his first book, which was Heart Shaped Box. That was Joe Hill's debut novel in 2007. And Heart Shaped Box, um, the title of it comes from the 1993 Nirvana song. And it's about an aging rock star who he's kind of semi-retired. And he starts collecting really weird memorabilia and strange artifacts. He gets a tip that there's this haunted suit for sale, like a haunted, like a business suit, like a man. I don't like that. <laughs> so it's a it's a man's business suit, and he he gets word that it's haunted, so he buys it, and it arrives in this. Why? Ha- 
Why well, would you do that? Because he's he's a morbid, weird guy, and he's he's retired. He's he's got too much money and not enough to do with it, so he buys this this thing. So anyway, it arrives in this heart shaped box, and yeah, and it kind of unfolds from there. And this suit is real creepy, and his he's got a live in girlfriend, and and she ends up getting kind of wrapped up in the mystery of what's wrong with this suit and who's the ghost of the person haunting it and all this and. And the cool thing about that book is that the main character, Judas Coyne, is this musician. And then he is mentioned in this book that I read by his dad later, recently. I read this in the late summer of this year called Mr. Mercedes. And I I didn't really... Mr. Mercedes is the first book in a trilogy that Stephen King wrote called the Bill Hodges series. And I had not read these before because they're not technically horror. Actually, if you're going to read something by by Stephen King, you might like these because they're not horror. They are detective police procedural novels. Oh, okay. But Mr. My Alley. That is definitely much more up your alley. But Mr. Mercedes mentions Judas Coyne in passing as if he is a real rock star within the universe of Mr. Mercedes. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm reading both of these this year. And that's cute that he would shout out his son like that. Anyway, but I'm going to now kind of switch over to talking about the Bill Hodges series. So the Bill Hodges series by Stephen King, this is his attempt to write a a police detective series. It's not horror. Like some scary things happen, but they're not any worse than you'd find in a mystery novel. And Mr. Mercedes is the first book in the series. And it's about, um, it's from 2014. And um, it's about a detective named Bill Hodges, who is recently retired from the police force. And there's a couple of cases that were unsolved when he retired that are still bugging him. And one of them was somebody stole a big Mercedes sedan and ran it into a group of people who were waiting in line at a job fair and killed a bunch of them. And so the book is him kind of chasing that murderer um, with the help of some, some unlikely allies who are very lovable and strange. And Bill Hodges himself is like a crusty, you know, he's, he's your typical crusty, washed up detective. And even though he's supposed to be older than this guy, I kept pic- picturing him as Agent Tench from Mindhunter. <laughs> so if that makes him more likable to you in your head, I, I like that guy. So you can you can do that too when you read it. You can picture Bill Tench. But um, I really liked it. It was an interesting book. It's also all written in present tense, which I find interesting and a little different. And it I've really only mostly seen that recently in YA novels. It really works for this because it's, it makes it feel very immediate. A lot of the action takes place over just a, the course of a couple of days. Um, so that I think that helps with the immediacy. And then I'm currently in the middle of the second book of the trilogy called Finders Keepers, which is really different. And it's it starts out with the murder of this reclusive writer who is modeled after a combination of John Updike, Philip Roth, and J.D. Salinger. And the murderer steals a bunch of this guy's unpublished manuscripts and then buries them in a suitcase. So eventually... What? Yeah, no. So imagine, you know, J.D. Salinger... He famously didn't write after he went into reclusion and retirement, but he he kept writing, but he didn't publish any of it. This fictional writer in this book is based on that idea that um, this poor author who decided the world doesn't deserve my genius, he just kept writing and he's got this safe full of unpublished manuscripts and these guys break into his house and rob him and kill him and they steal all those notebooks. They bury them in a trunk and they're going to do something with them, but they stuff happens. So eventually the story unravels that Bill Hodges on another case, he ends up kind of intersecting with the story of these unpublished manuscripts. And I'm not done with it yet. I'm almost done. 
It's really good. I actually think I like it better than the first book, but it took me, it takes a long time to kind of get going. Whereas the first book opens with pretty much right in some action. This one, it just takes a lot longer, but I think it's more worth it. And so I'm enjoying it more. And then I'm excited to read the third book in the series, which is End of Watch. I don't know much about that one, but it did, I think it won, oh, it, it won an Edgar Award for Best Novel. And so I'm excited to read that one. And the whole series, those three books were collectively adapted into a TV show called Mr. Mercedes. I have not watched that because it's on some kind of obscure satellite network or something, but I'm sure I can eventually find it, hopefully on streaming on something that I do subscribe to, or maybe I'll get it on DVD. But yeah, so I totally recommend all of these in the tall grass, harp shape box and the Bill Hodges series by Stephen King. Some of those sound great. Some of those sound <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> the Bill Hodges series is definitely, I think what you would be most drawn to, but if people who are horror fans would really like both in the tall grass and heart shape box. Cool. I actually, while you were talking, I was paying attention, but I also, <laughs> I also put, Mr. Mercedes, the audiobook on hold at the library. So awesome. I'm I'm interested. You've converted me into intrigued. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. Excellent. Awesome. But you uh, you've been watching a new TV show that just started, haven't you? Yeah, so Batwoman just started. Only the pilots aired so far at the time of recording. But do you know anything about the show? I actually read the first few issues of the new 52 version of Batwoman, and I know a bit about the character, but I have not watched the show yet. Okay, yeah, cool. I really like the character of Batwoman. She's one of my favorite superheroes. So I was very intrigued when they announced that there would be a Batwoman show. They had kind of a backdoor pilot last year. You're familiar with the Arrowverse, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, so it, that consists, that's the DC TV universe, so it consists of Arrow, which was kind of the first show to kick everything off the flash supergirl legends of tomorrow which is my personal favorite and lightly black lightning is in there black lightning is not technically part of the arrowverse but it's gonna uh, some of the characters are gonna appear in the upcoming crossover but last year's crossover was called elseworlds it started on arrow went to the flash and ended on supergirl so it was a three episode arc with all the characters from those sh different shows. And the middle episode heavily featured Batwoman. So they traveled to Gotham and met her. I wasn't like in love when they cast Ruby Rose as Batwoman, just because I don't think she's the strongest actress, but I, she kind of won me over in the pilot. Hmm. I was surprised. So Ruby Rose plays Kate Kane. That's a, that's a tongue twister for me. I don't know why. <laughs> Ruby Rose's name, her real name, is such a DC character name, or even just a comic book character, because it's alliterative. Um, it just sounds kind of comic booky. I love comic book names. I was just thinking about how I'm <laughs> going to talk a little bit later about Rachel Maddow making a cameo, but her <laughs> character's name is Vesper. <laughs> and I was just like, it's Vesper Fairchild. And I was just like, that's oh. that's such a perfect comic book name. I love it. Or soap opera name. <laughs> or soap opera. So the pilot starts out with Kate Kane. She is doing some sort of training exercise. And she's training up somewhere icy and cold. And you don't really under know why she's training right away. But you find out that it's because Batman left Gotham three years ago. He hasn't been seen since. No one knows where he is or if he's coming back. 
And her dad, played by Dugray Scott, whom I very much enjoy, (laughs) he started Crow Security, which is a private firm with the intention of protecting the people of Gotham since Batman has disappeared. But it's really upscale and exclusive to become a part of. So you find out that Kate has been training to become part of Crow Security. Okay, so... The main bad guy shows up and she is played by Rachel Scarston and her name is Alice and she quotes Alice in Wonderland a lot and it's weird and it's cool and she's very pale and I'm like, I don't know who you are or what what you're about, but I I enjoy you very much. (laughs) She sounds like Harley Quinn almost. That's creepy. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I actually, I'm not a huge comic fan in the sense that I know a lot of the, the background and the lore. So I don't know a ton about Alice, but I very much like her in the show. She's weird and there's a lot of history there that you find out at the end of the episode. And I'm very excited to see how it plays out over the season. But Alice kidnaps one of Crow's security guards named Sophie Moore. And Sophie is Kate's ex-girlfriend. One of the reasons people are kind of excited about the show is... Kate Kane is canonically a lesbian, so she's, I think, the first main character on a superhero show who is an out character. And they don't shy away from that. They're ex-girlfriends, and it's kind of fuzzy. They were, like, in some sort of military school, (laughs) and I was like, is it the Air Force? Is it something else? Why are they calling it school? I don't know how old they are. (laughs) But there's this flashback where Sophie and Kate get caught kissing and Kate gets kicked out of school or chooses to leave and Sophie signs a document basically basically saying she's not gay so that she can stay in. When Sophie gets kidnapped, Mary, who is Kate's stepsister, calls Kate and Kate comes back to Gotham and that's how everything kind of kicks off. And by the end of the episode, Kate has figured out that Bruce, her cousin, was Batman and she decides because he's gone and she has she's been training and has these skills but she decides she doesn't want to be part of crow security so she takes up the mantle of batwoman there's a there's a little scene at the end where she is writing in journals to bruce and she's just writing her story and i don't know i thought that was really cute and kind of cool like she just sits in her little bat lair and writes these (laughs) journals to bruce she's like i can't wait for you to come home cousin (laughs) yeah it's kind of cool So that's a basic plot. Sorry, it was a little bit rambly and long. But what I really liked is the cast of the show. So like I said, Ruby Rose plays Batwoman, Kate Kane, um, and Drew Gray Scott plays her dad. Rachel Scarston plays Alice. But you know how every superhero has their little team. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It seems like Batwoman's is going to be Luke Fox, who's played by Cameris Johnson, Sophie, and her stepsister, Mary, who's played by Nicole Kang. So out of those four people, there's a white woman, a white lesbian, a black woman who is, I think she's portrayed as bisexual because she gets married to a dude and that, that provides some angst. And I'm not really here for the whole, oh, this main character comes back and their ex is now with someone new. I don't really love those storylines, so I'm a little wary of where that's going to go. Anyway, and then Luke Fox is a black man, and Mary Hamilton is an Asian woman. So 
yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see more diversity in a superhero show. And I think the DC shows in general do pretty well with, in terms of diversity. I don't know. I liked all the characters. Mary and, and Kate are stepsisters. And Kate comes home and Mary's mom throws her a party. But it kind of has the ulterior motive of showing that Crow Security can still do their jobs. Mary shows up and she's just like, you, me, cotton candy shots now. <laughs> And I was like, oh my god, your stepsisters, you're so cute, you're so different. But then it turns out that Mary has a medical doctorate, and she's running a secret clinic. Oh. <laughs> yeah, in the depths of Gotham, and she ends up saving Kate at one point. So there's a lot happening, and a lot has been introduced that I'm pretty excited about. Cool, that sounds really good. Yeah, I think, I think that's pretty much all I had to say, because I already touched on the Rachel Maddow stuff which was neat. Rachel Maddow pops up as a basically what she is, a journalist. Oh, okay. <laughs> she's just a voiceover. Oh, okay. So I don't know if she's going to be in more episodes or if she's going to show up bodily. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she when the people of Gotham think that Batman is back because they don't know it's Batwoman yet, Rachel Maddow's character, Vesper Fairchild, <laughs> does this voiceover. <laughs> she's kind of narrating a news story that Batman's back. So yeah, I'm pretty excited to see where the season goes. Cool. That sounds really good. I'll have to check that out. I must admit, I got a little stalled on the Arrowverse shows. I was watching all of them at one point, except for Arrow, ironically. And <laughs> I sort of slowly gave each one up after a while. And I'm, I don't know. And then my husband, I came home one day and he was watching Supergirl without me. So I was like, oh, I guess that's how that's going now. So. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Tom. <laughs> yeah, they're a little hard to keep up with just because there are so many. There's so many. Crossovers are cool, but also I don't watch The Flash and I gave up on Arrow in like season three. So sometimes I watch the crossovers and I'm like, wait, who are these people? Right. Yeah. Definitely a lot to keep up with. Yeah. My favorite was actually The Flash and I liked Supergirl quite a bit as like a runner up and I I just, I, I would get back to them. It's just, yeah, it's just a lot. But they're all, I think they're really fun. I think they're really fun. And I even used to watch Smallville, which is not technically part of the current Arrowverse, but yeah. But do you know about that they're bringing Smallville? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the fact that they're having Tom Welling is going to play Superman in a Arrowverse crossover, I may have to watch that because that Right? Be, yeah. That's like really okay. sweet. <laughs> I know. I'm very excited. So they're bringing back Tom Welling and Erica Durant as Lois Lane and Brandon Routh, who is my personal favorite Superman, mm. is in Legends of Tomorrow and he's going to be playing Superman in the crossover too. So yeah. I'm very excited. That's going to be really cool. And actually, I, they're trying to get Linda Carter to play Wonder Woman in that crossover too. Oh, cool. She plays the president on Supergirl, but she's also an alien. I don't know how that's going to work, but anyway. Yeah. You clearly <laughs> haven't watched season four. Oh. Oh, no, I haven't. Okay. <laughs> well, that sounds good. And I'll, I'm going to check it out. And I actually, I, I sort of liked Ruby Rose on Orange is the New Black. Although as her character went on, she got more annoying because I didn't like that she was coming between Alex and Piper. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on, we have been watching the new season of The Masked Singer. And I want to make a little warning that we were probably going to have spoilers for all of last season and up to episode two of the new current season. So just be warned, maybe if you are not 
wanting to get too spoiled, you may want to fast forward to the very end um, or just join us for our next episode. But I think we need to be okay with having some discussion of what happened last season and what's going on this season. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds great. Especially because last time or a couple episodes ago, I said that I got no guesses right for season Mm -hmm. one. But I did. I got one. Oh, sweet. It was the B. Okay. Okay. Can I say who it was? Well, let's let's maybe give the people the premise first, and then we'll talk about right. last season. Yes, that is that's smart. That's, that's, that's why KW runs things. No. Um, <laughs> so the premise is very silly, and it's exactly what someone like me needs in a time like this. But there's a panel for judges. They call them pop culture experts or something like that. Mm-hmm. We don't care so much about them. Uh, <laughs> Their job is to guess who is under the mask for these characters. And they bring out these characters who sing and give you clues to their identity. I think last season there were eight eight people to guess. And this season there seemed to be 16. So they're all celebrities. And they give you clues to their identities. And I spend the whole season just being confused as heck. But a lot of them have really good voices. So it's really, really a bizarre feeling to watch a person in a costume whose mouth doesn't move mm-hmm. sing and you're just trying to figure out who they are and it's it's really weird but it's really fun it is really weird and really fun and they they will disguise their voices when they're just talking because they'll give clues about who they are and so their their talking voice is like this computerized weird warbly strange thing that's sometimes hard to understand but then they sing and it's like this usually a pretty good singing voice not always though not always oh. is it a good scene. <laughs> Which is fine. I love that the level of talent can range. Yes. So it's it's based on a South Korean series called King of Mask. Um, but they have versions in other countries, too. Um, I know Lindsay Lohan was recently a judge on the Australian version, for example. So they've got versions elsewhere where they kind of focus on celebrities from that country. And I think also the idea of celebrity is a little... A little fluid, and like last season, there was a lot of really, really famous people, and then a lot of people who were kind of not as famous, or at least I was not as familiar, and I think that's already happening with season two. So the judges um, are the same from last year, and the judges are singer Robin Thicke, Jenny McCarthy, who this season she's being billed as Jenny McCarthy... Wahlberg? Jenny McCarthy Wahlberg, thank you, because she's married to Donnie Wahlberg from New Kids on the Block. Ken Jeong... Nicole Scherzinger, who's also a singer, and then the host is Nick Cannon. Okay, so maybe let's talk about last season a little bit. So they had The Hippo was the first one out, Pineapple, The Deer, The Poodle, The Unicorn, The Raven, The Alien, The Lion, The Rabbit, The Bee, The Peacock, and The Monster. And The Monster actually won the whole thing, so he was the last one revealed. So which ones of those did you actually, you didn't think you got any right last year as far as your predictions? I got one right. I got the B right. You got the B right. Okay. So the B was Gladys Knight. The B was Gladys Knight. And the longer they're on, the more clues they give. So the easier it is for me to guess. And I think the B was one of the last three. Yes, she was in the final episode. Yeah. There have only been two episodes this season, and I have no guesses because <laughs> there, just, there just aren't enough clues. Right. Last year's winner, The Monster, was turned out to be T-Pain, and I kind of figured it out based on social media, but I was not really familiar with him, so I didn't really get why it was such a big deal, but he was just singing 
like he had a really amazing voice and yet in his recordings before he went on the show he used a lot of auto-tune and people were kind of accusing him of not being super genuine or authentic or whatever and I think this was a really good opportunity for him to show his range as a vocalist that he's actually a really excellent singer and I loved my personal favorite last season was the Peacock who ended up being Donny Osmond and I just loved him because I kind of figured him out early on but I also it was neat to just see like an older star singing like more contemporary music and he's such a good Broadway singer and that was just really fun so who was actually your favorite last year oh well I I did love Gladys Knight as the B but my probably two runners up are the rabbit who was Joey Fatone and <laughs> listen this was this was a blow to my pride oh I grew up as an sync girl okay. with my sister and I could not recognize his voice. <laughs> I, I, was, I was a little bit ashamed of myself, but I did really like Joey as the rabbit. And then I liked the raven, who was Ricky Lake. Yes. She didn't have the strongest voice, but I love that she was she was kind of using it as a therapeutic thing to do. And I loved her story. And yeah, I just I just loved all her song choices. So. Yeah, I think she talked about like her husband had passed away or something. And it was like this way for her to try something new and also be expressing some of her grief or whatever. And Tori Spelling ended up being the unicorn. And I think she was using it for somewhat similar reasons of like she had stage fright and anxiety about singing in public. She also did not have the super strongest voice, but it was actually really lovely. And I think with some extra training and practice and getting over some of her nerves, she could actually be not too bad. I really liked, I liked Margaret Cho as the poodle. I thought she actually had a pretty good voice and she got eliminated pretty quickly, but she'd actually worked with Ken Jeong before and he didn't realize it was her. And I thought that was so funny. <laughs> He's probably the worst guessing judge. <laughs> Well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how he does this year. Well, he's probably tied with Jenny McCarthy. Yeah. <laughs> I think Nicole Scherzinger and Robin Thicke take it pretty seriously. And they, because they are both singers too, they have a little bit of an edge, but they seem to be more on top of things. <laughs> they are, which is so funny. I Robin Thicke actually is probably the, I don't know. I haven't done a statistical analysis of which judge gets things right, but I think Robin Thicke, actually gets them right the most often, at least by appearances. He got Ricky Lake correct based on her gestures that he recognized oh, from her talk show. Like I that remember is, that. Yeah. When it's a singer, when it's a professional singer, he tends to recognize their voice. Nicole does a great job. I really like how Nicole will be like, this person's voice has this kind of quality. This person's voice has this kind of quality. Like she gets into the technical without being too technical about it. And I would like to just give a shout out. She went to one of my alma maters and majored in musical theater. So she actually does know what she's talking about. So, but I think people would, would maybe dismiss her easily from being an ex pussycat doll and like, oh, she can't possibly be a good vocalist or know what she's talking about with music. But no, no, she went to school for it. She knows what she's talking about. So. That's good to know. I actually didn't know who she was before the show. Yeah, yeah, she was in the Pussycat Dolls, and I think she had some solo stuff that she did, but I don't know really what she's been up to musically, but yeah. And then Ken Jeong is most best known for being in the Hangover movies and being on Community, and I think he had his own sitcom called Dr. Ken, and then Jenny McCarthy is Jenny McCarthy, and that's all I have to say about her. She is a bad guesser. But yeah, and I, Ken, Ken is a bad guesser, but he at least tries to make it really funny. And they do have guest judges on sometime. And I 
I like the guest judges. He's had Joel McHale on with him, who was his co-star on Community. They had Keenan Thompson last year. Yes, yes. And it looks like they're going to have Anthony Anderson on this year. I feel bad for the guest judges because they don't have the benefit of the previous week's clues and everything. Oh, sure. But I really love how Robin's always, like, taking notes. (laughs) Yes, Robin takes notes and has, like, a binder and he, like, has done research, or at least someone has provided him with research that he reads. And he also has a has a telescope that he uses to Does look at... Does he really? At... Yes. He has, wow. a, he has a little gold telescope. Now, I'm not a big Robin Thicke fan. I find him somewhat problematic and whatnot. But he also, like Nicole, he's a musician. He knows his stuff. And the fact that he grew up in Hollywood and, and things, like his father... If you're not aware, his father was Alan Thicke, the actor and musician who played the father on Growing Pains. So, hello. <laughs> you have nothing to say about that. Okay. <laughs> but I think that he is a little more tuned in with kind of the pop culture zeitgeist than some of the others. So he's got this longstanding, you know, background of working in the entertainment industry and observing it from afar from, from growing up in it. But let's maybe talk about this season. So what have, what have they done so far this season? They started with a a two-hour-long episode where they introduced eight new singers. Uh And then the second episode had four more. And apparently, it seems like the next episode, which has not aired yet, is going to have four more. Uh So, 16 in total. Yeah. So, in the first episode, they had a butterfly, a ladybug, a rottweiler, a skeleton, a tree... And then they had this thing called a thingamajig, which was the only one that I was like, that is, okay. (laughs) A little ridiculous. And then um, second episode, they had Black Widow. So she was dressed up as a spider. A flamingo. I liked the flamingo's costume a lot. I thought that was really cute. A leopard. And yeah, the panda was in the second episode. So I guess that leaves penguin, fox, flower, and eagle for the next episode. So we have no information about no, that. we haven't seen them yet. But we, we now have the identities of the first three who got eliminated. Um, and they eliminate it based on the audience and the judges vote on who they want to see continue. And so once you get eliminated, if you can't continue, then you get your identity revealed. So the egg was the first one out. And that ended up being figure skater Johnny Weir. I would actually guess that one. Did you yeah. guess that one? I was between Johnny Weir and Christian Siriano, Siriano, the fashion designer. One thing that I don't like, which I know they have to do it, but they will give you false clues. Mm -hmm. So with Johnny Weir, his clue package had like a skateboard, which was a play on figure skating. But then it had like fashion drawings, which is why Nicole latched onto those and was like, I think it's Christian Siriano. And I do understand why fashion drawings were in there, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, that was that was that was not nice, nice <laughs> singer. You're trying to throw me off the scent. So yeah, I never know which which clues to take seriously and which to just be like that. That's a red herring. Some are more allegorical, and some are based on some small part of their career that they're not even mostly known for. So yeah. Um, and then the ice cream. This one bugged me. I'm sorry. The ice cream turned out to be professional gamer ninja (laughs) real name is richard blevins 
I'm not as clued into the esports world as maybe I should be, um, and I especially don't know much about Fortnite, which is his game. So he was very likable. I liked his interview after he got revealed, and he was not a bad singer. But I was also like, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know who he was. I did. I did think he was likable, but then I was like. The, there's one clue explanation at the bottom of the screen and in his clue package he there was a money gun mm-hmm. and it was like that was in reference to him making fifty thousand dollars a month from streaming and i was like what i think it was actually five hundred thousand a month no no yeah. that's so what that's un- so, that's unfair so much <laughs> we're in the wrong we're in the wrong field oh Karen. my god apparently we should quit oh. writing and podcasting and start uh streaming professionally yeah apparently play some Fortnite. <laughs> oh. so then the the panda was revealed in the third episode and i was correct on this one i knew it i knew it based on her package were you wrong so it was Layla Ali, who is a boxer and the daughter of Muhammad Ali. So who did you think she was? I thought it was one of the Williams sisters. Oh, of, okay. of tennis fame. Of tennis fame. Venus or Serena Williams. Yeah, I could see that being true. But uh, well, and I thought it was so funny. Nick Cannon said he thought it was her because she gave him like a little playful punch on the arm. And he was like, oh, that actually kind of hurt. So. <laughs> yeah, I did like that. That, that was, was funny. <laughs> So let's maybe talk about other, I don't really, except for the skeleton, I'm not sure I have a good clue of who anyone else is. Do you have any predictions or theories? It's so early that I don't really, except for the leopard. Okay. Um, They had guessed RuPaul Mm -hmm. and I could see that. And my first guess was Billy Porter. Yeah. But that's really all that I've got. I I have no clue who anyone else is. Well, and they who somebody else or somebody thought it might be Jamie Foxx and I I don't actually totally hate that idea, but I feel like that guy is taller. I could see it being Billy Porter or RuPaul, but I really want to know who that is. The, the leopard is like statuesque and has a very in-character singing style and it's mm-hmm. interesting. I the only one that I'm I, I am totally in agreement with Dr. Ken, who thinks that the skeleton is Martin Short, and I am, I would bet money on that. I think it absolutely is Martin Short. Martin Short is a comedian and a total ham, and he's older, so playing an older, like a skeleton, like it's kind of on the nose, and he's a little bit shorter. Skeleton is not a super tall guy, and I think that's, and he's, you know, slight of build, and he's really hamming it up. And I just really think that that, and the voice sounds like it's Martin Short. So I'm going to say that is my big prediction this year. But I don't know who anybody else is that they've showed so far. I had a theory that the Flamingo might be Rebecca Black. You did share that. And I, I enjoy that theory because we, <laughs> we, we, both both like really, <laughs> we both unironically like Rebecca Black. But I don't know if it's right. I don't know I, if it's right. Yeah, I don't think. I tried listening to them back to back, so the Flamingos performance and then some Rebecca Black songs, and I don't think it's the same voice, but it's hard to tell because Rebecca Black's music is so different than what was sung by the Flamingos, so I don't know. I really don't know. I'm hoping it's her, but I'm I'm not betting on it yet. Okay. 
I could actually see the Flamingo also being a YouTuber with a talk show or something, but I'm not sure. I'm thinking we're going to find out soon who the Skeleton Leopard and Ladybug are because they've already had to do showdown songs and almost got voted off. So I think those are probably going to get revealed pretty soon. But I'm excited about the next episode to see these new people and maybe more of them will seem more familiar because I'm really in the weeds right now with with most of these. Yeah, same. I like I liked everybody that we've seen so far in terms of their singing and performativity and all this. So um, even the thingamajig, I just think, so the thingamajig costume, why don't you describe it? And maybe you'll know why I'm annoyed with it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I can. Wait, I've got to look up a picture. Most of the costumes have been actual real life things like animals or I think last, last year there was an alien, right? And there was an alien, yeah. And a monster. So, like, real things. But the thingamajig is a made-up thing. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's he has, like, monster hands and feet. They're blue and have claws. And then he's wearing, like, a plaid suit. But one pant leg is a different color and a different style plaid. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's got, like, this big greenish furry face with hair that's sticking up and glasses on yeah and yeah i just i i'm not exactly sure why you're so offended by (laughs) (laughs) okay so i think i'm i'm annoyed because as you said all the both this season and last season except for this creature and except for the monster and technically alien aliens are probably not real but (laughs) um but (laughs) i'm sorry i'm gonna go out on limb and say aliens oh my gosh that's incorrect but okay But they're all either animals or food or or at least a more common kind of mythical creature. And this thing is fully made up. And I also love that the costumes on this show are so elaborate and so beautiful and glittery. And they're very Vegas. It's just it's just really fun. This thing is lazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just I'm. I'm going to, again, bold stance. I just think that this thing is, it's named stupidly. It's, it's costumed not as nicely as the rest of them. And I just think it's not as pretty. So, yeah. Right. Uh, well, now we know that KW likes pretty things. I do. He did have a nice voice. He did have a great voice, actually. And Everyone was surprised. Everyone was surprised. He won pretty solidly his round. He was never at risk. He didn't have to do a showdown. So I think he's going to end up lasting a while, which is another thing. It's like, oh, if you're going to probably last a while, have a nicer costume. (laughs) I thought she was not his fault. Well, probably not. I thought like, for example, the egg costume I thought was kind of adorable and really compelling. And then we he got voted off week one. So I really liked his hat. Yeah. Oh, his hat was was really fun. So yeah. And the panda costume was really cute. It wasn't the most glittery or dynamic but it was adorable and everyone thought she was cute i was really upset when she got voted off yeah yeah she was okay she was pretty good and deserved to stay longer but you know when you if you go to a showdown i think i think those people are going to be this season the ones to watch that are going to get eliminated faster Mm -hmm. so i'm excited to see how it turns out yeah me too and maybe we will do an update Yes, I think doing an update either mid-season or at the end of the season would be really fun. So. Yeah, cool. All right. All right. So what are we going to do next time, Carrie? 
Next time, we have more great pop culture stuff, including music, books, and we are going to revisit the pilot episode of Ghost Whisperer. Awesome. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. If you want to connect with us online, you can find me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And you can email us at PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. You can find us together on Twitter at Podcast. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. <laughs> <laughs>